Hello, this is Ken Hines, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. here, Caroline with a K, and I have my good friend here, Ken Hines. How are you today, Caroline? How are you doing, Ken? Good, good. I'm doing okay. Feeling a little bit tired, but this it is what it is. So before we get into your first deal, I always ask all of the guests to kiss me. Not actually, it's just the kiss me segment. And the first question is, what was the first album that you purchased? Going back in time a little bit, my first album was U2 and The Unforgettable Fire. So that was back in the 80s. They had music back then. And so that was like my probably my favorite album. An Irish band that liked listening to them. U2. You know, as a kid, I hated U2. Or I wasn't like a fan of them. <laughs> I've grown to like them. But man, there's this one song they just always played it on TV or on MTV and I was like switch channel. Okay, cool. Interesting. And then are you Irish? Is that why? Czech. Yes, hundred percent. Both my parents were born and raised there and they came over here and then met over here in New York. Got it. Okay. And question numero dos, what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? I would say the one that I still face is this, you know, trying to trying to manage, you know, trying to manage manage the money and just trying to get your head around, you know, buying like a million dollar property or buying something that's twice or three times your income and, and being responsible for that for 30, 30 years going forward, you know, just signing just getting comfortable with signing for large amounts of money, I think is still my biggest challenge. It scales as you go get bigger. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. And I, that's definitely relatable though. Once the zeros start adding up at the end, you're like, wait a minute, is this right? And the next question is, what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? Good question. Just the amount of stuff that you could do uh, remotely. I, I started uh, mentoring uh, transitioning service mentors through an organization called Vets and Tech. And so used to be in person or like through like uh, the transition center, but most of that's gone virtual these days. So you're able to, to hit or access a lot more people on the virtual side, just doing remote counseling, stuff like that. So um, they started doing that and that's just snowballed into uh, three of uh, uh, other opportunities. That's really cool. I didn't know that you did that. Thanks for your service, by the way, Ken. And for helping out transitioning service members. That's great because I know that they struggle, you know, once they come back into the civilian life. Right. And the final question is, what is your favorite quote? I heard several of them, but to keep this PG, I think the one uh, that I learned in high school 
and uh, sort of this been with me the whole time is that determination determines your success. So no matter what, what endeavor you take under or what, what something that you go through, you know, if you have the mental aptitude and fortitude to get through it, you know, that's going to determine your success level. You know, you have your talent, you have your resources, stuff like that, but it's mostly you, you and your attitude, your determination to get through, you know, sticky or tough situations that will determine your ultimate success. I love it. That's great. It's a really good quote. So you said it was your determination determines your success. Yeah. So well, determination determines success, or you can sort of like personalize it. Your determination determines your success. That's great. So Ken, tell us and the, well, me and the 402, where are you based out of? Right now I'm living in Eastern Pennsylvania. It's called commonly called the Lehigh Valley. It's about an hour north of Philly, an hour west of New York City. Nice. And I love that the references to New York, I had Howard on the show and he was like, I'm based in the capital of New York. He didn't say upstate um, because, you know, New York, anyone that's from the city always refers to upstate as upstate. Anything above the Bronx. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm saying from I'm saying from upstate people from like Rochester or Albany to me. No, you're not. <laughs> um, so now we're going to get into your first deal. You're based in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. So where are you actively, well, not where are you actively investing now, but where was your first investment property or where did you do your first deal? Uh, my first deal was in a town called uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, a lovely, small, hot town down in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. It's the home of Fort Bragg. And so that was basically the first place I was stationed at. And what I did was I just basically uh, bought a house there, um, fixed it up a little bit, and then turned it into a, an investment property rental when I left. Wow. Isn't Fayetteville, North Carolina, considered a dangerous place? It has its rough parts um, and, and its good parts. I think it's like, like every other town. It's just, um, you get a lot of, it's a lot of military. So yeah, it's a very, you know, cyclic base. You know, if, if, the, if the unit has to leave somewhere, you know, then it, it comes, a, comes a, a good, like a ghost town. But you know, they're like any town down south, there's some good areas and some bad areas. Hmm. So how did you decide or to purchase the property, your first home? Like, was it something, where did you get that idea from? Uh, it was a convoluted decision process. Like, uh, I, I didn't like renting this, throwing my money away and not seeing any return on it. And like my dad had done the, the, the little bit of house hacking when I was growing up. So um, I grew up right around Westchester County. And so if you know anything about New York, you know like the house prices and the real estate is so expensive up there. So when I got down to North Carolina, it was like houses are going for 50, 60 K. I'm like, this has got to be cheap. So cheap. I mean, um, I was paying more in rent than I would be paying in a mortgage, stuff like that. So I just figured, you know, Occupy my time when I when I wasn't at work, you know, buy a good place there, and then, you know, I was always like, Fort Bragg's a big base, and the, my thinking was I'm always going to be able to come back there and have a place to stay when I when I come back there. 
of course, I never get really uh, stationed back there. So it's still, still a rental today. But it, like that, that was sort of my thought process, you know, buy something solid that I can come back to when I, when I moved back there or got stationed back there. And it was just so cheap at the time. Um, I didn't really think there's a lot of the downside on, on the downside risk. So when you, when did you purchase this property? 1996. Wow. So you've held on to it until now? Yeah. And like, uh, so you've like one of the things, yeah, one of the things, if you get a good property manager, I didn't have a good property manager in the beginning, but if you have a good property that takes care of it and single family homes, like the thing I've noticed uh, when I'm comparing them with multifamily is they tend to stay there a lot longer than like the apartment tenant. So I've had people stay there four or five years. My longest tenant stayed there for like nine years. So um, once once they're in and they're settled, you know, you know, it's just um, they'll need a reason to move. Either they they, they have moved the job or something like that. But wow! So you've owned that property essentially for twenty five years. Now that you say that, yeah. Wow. And so has the value of it appreciated since you purchased it? It has a little. I mean, I learned some lessons now that if I had applied back then, I would probably wouldn't have bought that particular property. Um, like, cause I didn't really do a lot of good research on it and stuff or due diligence. Uh, but it has basically, I wouldn't say doubled, but probably doubled and it's paid off. So right now it's just a cash. The only thing that I sort of use as a base, a sort of like a stable asset, you know, as sort of like my base that I use to help go out and purchase other properties, to use that cash flow to help purchase other properties or pay or pay, or pay down other properties. Oh, okay. when, once that was paid off, my goal was paid off at the time I retired. And once I had that paid off, I sort of did the little Dave Ramsey debt snowball thing. I just take all the payment that was paying to that and start paying off my next, my next one. Wow. That's awesome. So the property, Okay, how did you finance it? So it's you know you moved down there from Westchester, and you're like, okay, great, my dad did this, I'm going to do this too. Mm-hmm. So then, how did you decide, or where did you fu- get the money to fund this deal? It was like a, a foreclosure, a HUD home, um, a VA HUD home, so it had been foreclosed upon. So uh, HUD still has this program where you know if you want to owner occupy, they have special terms for it. So I was able to put you know ten percent down. And um, and then uh, finance the rest, and um, so during that my first two years at, at Fort Bragg, the army sent me away to a lot of places, lovely places that you know I was able to save a lot of money because there's no place to go out, and so I was, I was using my savings from those two deployments, and then use that as as the down payment um, for it. So the this HUD VA program. Um, like at the time you use your own money to, for the down payment, but as far as financing the HUD program finance it, you didn't have to go through a bank. Check. Well, they, they sort of like acted as like the, 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 you know, the financier, then it got sold after that, but they, they're the ones that processed all of the loan paperwork and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's sort of similar to the FHA program right now, but they provided the financing and then they, once the deal was complete, they basically sold the loan. So So then when, because you said you bought it in 1996 and at that time weren't interest rates like 10%, Seven. like really high? Seven. Seven. 
And that was a good deal at the time because it was wow. occupied. And so the, um, the broker was saying, oh, this is a great deal. I get you into like a rate to work seven and a half, eight. And so I was doing like owner occupied VA. Uh, I got it for 7%. And right now, interest rates are what, like 3%? Yeah. I just refinanced this house uh, at three or 299 last year. Wow. So money is cheap right now. Yes. Okay, you bought this. And then you said that you had to fix up the this property. Um, so what? how much work did you put into it? How much did you invest into it besides the initial down payment? So you paid 50000 but 10% down, was it like 5 oh, it was, it was like a, It was like, it was 60, 60, it was 61 uh, was, the, was the final purchase price. Um, and so I put like yeah, 6000 down and I put like another five or 6000 into it. Like I had to replace like, some of the mechanicals, the hot water heater, stuff like that. And then I basically had like a year and a half while I was still there where I slowly did some work. Like I repainted the whole places, um, took up some carpet and laid some more carpet down, a little patching here, like of the, of the drywall and stuff like nothing major, but just like repainted it, patched, patched a little bit up because it had been a foreclosure and uh, redid some of the plumbing. And then um, yeah, that, that was basically it. And I spread that out over like the last 18 months I was there. So it wasn't a huge source, a chunk of capital at a time, but, you know, I just paid stuff out as I went. So I, I probably spent another, like, I would say eight to 10,000 on it uh, before I left. Oh, wow. So not much, like total no. 70,000, if that. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. That's great. And then this property, you still own it today. So like after you bought the property, did you know, or did you say like, Hey, this works. I like doing this. I'm going to keep doing this. Or was it a snowball effect wherever you start purchasing more or how did your, oh. you know, real estate uh, journey progress after that? Well, I think it just gave me the confidence to, to do it again. Like I didn't really have a set plan at that time. Like oh, I'm going to buy a place, each place I was stationed at, and, and um, go from there. But it just happened like the, the place out there uh, that I went to school for a while. Then I went to Germany and you can't buy anything. Well, I didn't buy anything over there. Then I came back to Louisiana and it was sort of a similar thing, you know, um, sort of ch sort of cheap housing. Uh, the uh, since I was single, I couldn't really have family housing on post. And the stuff available to us off post wasn't that great. So I figured I want to just do the same thing. Uh, but I uh, um, was able to use my experience from the first one and sort of apply it to this one as far as, you know, better selection, better, better, you know, choosing of, of a property. Because at that time, I had 10 years in, I figured I was going to do another 10. And I knew I was going to keep this one and turn it into a rental when I purchased it. And so that, that was the goal. It was more of a deliberate plan on the second one than, than, than the first one. I see. And then when you first purchased the initial one, at what point did you say to yourself, like, okay, this property, man, I totally swamped. I like forgot the question. I really like just totally zoned out. 
You asked me what I did wrong on the first was, property. <laughs> oh, do you have things to share about what went wrong? Yeah. Um, so because from the first from the from the first property, like like I, I think I bought it all wrong. Like I was just looking at it through my lens, like uh, you know what what needed to be. Like I didn't really look at the school district at all. Like my due diligence on that was like they had just won the state championship of basketball, so they must be a school good school district, you know. And so that and like how far or how long was the commute to uh, to work? That was about my two major like two major thought processes. Like it was a two two one. It was a twelve hundred square foot house but it was only two one. So it was sort of like functionally obsolete then. Um and so it wasn't really good for families or my prospective tenant base. So I was sort of limiting lim limiting my exits um, based on how I bought it because you know it's still a two one now. It's just it, and it's just very hard to rent because you know, families don't want it uh, because it's only two bedrooms and like it's too big for like a, this one person because it's like over 1200 square feet. So um, that, that that was the big one, you know, and then what I applied to my second one is uh, buy it with your renters or your prospective tenants in, in mind, like do some research on the school district, make sure it's like at least a three, two, you know, make sure there's like ample, you know, commute to schools and to work, not just, you know, just, you know, look, try to look at it from like a family's eyes or your prospective tenant's eyes rather than just your own. That's some sound advice. So I wanted to also ask you the time when you were like, okay, I'm going to purchase a property. It's actually buying it. How long did that take? Probably, um, because I thought about it on my second deployment and coming back because, um, and then, so I spent three to four months just thinking about it, making sure I had the savings built up and then probably two to three months just looking at deals or at houses in the areas. And then, uh, so I would say from front to begin, front, uh, beginning to end, it was six months. Oh, wow. And then, so you found the property, then you found the financing or that type yeah. of loan and then mm -hmm. close. That's awesome. And, um, when you purchased the property, like the other mistake that I made was like, I didn't even check like rental rates or what would the property rent for after like I left. Like I didn't even think of a turn into rental. I was like, hey, I just want a place, place to live. And then it was like, not until like, I was getting ready to leave, like that research, like, Hey, maybe I need to find a property manager. I used the one out of the broker shop that I that I bought it through, which turned out to be a mistake. You know, I didn't know what rents were going to go for in that area, so I didn't know if it was going to cover my costs, my mortgage in the beginning or not. I ended up barely, barely clearing on my first, and so I didn't do any of the typical due diligence you do today. Like, what, what, what are the comparable rents? What are some of the, you know, what's the school school district? You know, uh, what's the, the transportation or commute times? Um, what would the tenants want? I didn't do anything like that. So how did you underwrite the deal? Or like, how did you analyze? Because you said that you looked at multiple properties. So then how did you decide, okay, this is the one? You said that the thing that you cared about was how far is it from your job? So how close was it to your job? So three questions, right? How? It was about 10 to 15. It was close. Like, and me being young, dumb, single guy at the time, how close it was to downtown 
where I go out downtown. Seriously. And so those are my, so that, so my underwriting is like, all right, how much is my mortgage going to be and how much was I paying in rent at the time? And so if they were sort of like in the same ballpark, even with the 7% interest rate, I didn't even calculate, hey, I have to pay property taxes or hey, I have to like have homeowners insurance at the time. I was just trying to figure out like I had a little AMOR calculator. All right, I could, I could, this is it, you know. So I didn't understand like the insurance costs, the property tax costs, and you know, all, all the other costs of ownership. I was just like figuring what's my mortgage going to be and is it going to be less than my rent? Hey, it is. Must be a good deal. I'm going to have more space, you know, and, and I'll build some equity. So I didn't really have a great plan or thought process going in, but I learned those lessons going forward. And I was like, hey, now I have to figure out, hey, what's going to be the property taxes? What's going to be the insurance so I can get those quotes beforehand instead of um, being in the, the last week of contract and the, the broker's like, hey, you have, like, where's your homeowner's insurance? I have to scramble to get it. Wow. And the, when you bought this property at that time, there there wasn't, was there internet? No. It, it was like, like AOL dial-up. You got mail. The 36, yes. 56K. And so um, it, we, uh, I used my bank was USAA, so I still use them. And luckily for them, that, or lucky for me, they had an insurance site too. And so um, I don't know if that was the best quote I can get. I didn't even go shopping. I was just like, hey, you know, you're, you're my bank. Can you do insurance as well? And they're like, sure. And so they just set me up with a policy. So I didn't have any way to comparative shop, you know, to, to rent, to get uh, other forms of financing, anything like that. I just took what was given to me, basically. Wow. So it's just mind-boggling to me, right, that you did all of this basically through the phone. Right, like you figured out a number, you had a chart of all your amortization of how much this loan is going to cost yeah. you, and then you're just calling people like, "Hey, do you have this? Hey, could you help me out with this? Oh, hey, I need a broker." Like and, nothing and then, uh, was then, done digitally. And then when I went, do you a kick out of this brokers? How I shopped sometimes was they had a big binder, boom, put it on. Okay, this is the current listings, and then you go through like the little printouts you see. From them, that's that was the MLS, and so you just walk like pages like binder of this. Hey, this looks okay. Okay, can I go look at this? Okay, um, turn a couple pages, you know, that's in another neighborhood. Okay, can I go, go look at this? So that's how I, that was my first screen. It was a, going through a big binder, like an MLS listing uh, in a binder of all their listings. Wow, that's insane. So, did they even have? Like interior pictures, or it's just the front, and then you would go Usually and actually see it. Usually just the front, and then if it was like the, the upscale ones would have like a, a picture portfolio, but you know those are out of my price range at the time, so I didn't really look at them. So it was just an address and a, and a photo, and then they had some basic information like you know year built, like the standard stuff you see on the MLS now, like three like three two MLS year built stuff like that. Wow, so you really needed a realtor back then? Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way, no no way. I mean, I remember like looking at a couple of expos, like but they would advertise them in the paper or stuff like that. And you just, you know, you would have to set up an appointment to go look at them and stuff like that. So I would drive by them, but you know, there was nothing really, you know, pulling me into those sites. So you really needed a broker in order to get the best selection. 
Wow. So uh, Ken mentioned FESBO, and that's for sale by owners mm -hmm. for 402 that didn't know. Wow, that's so interesting. I, I'm like still in shock that you, you're saying that you had literally a binder in front of you with picture, one photo, and an address, and then you tell them, I want to go here. I don't want to go there. So Ken, thank you so much for coming on to the First Deal Show. And I feel like you gave us some really great nuggets, right? One, do due diligence. Don't find a place just based on the proximity to the downtown. Um, shop around for quotes. I'm not going to let that down, am I? <laughs> <laughs> no. shop, I love the basketball thing. Like, oh, the high school won the basketball tournament? Like, yeah, let, let's live in this place. This is great. Love amazing criteria. It's the best one so far. That's the next question. Every time I'm always going to ask, what were their criteria looking into places? Um, shop around for quotes on insurance, loans, the whole gamut. And do you have any like final piece of advice um, for the 402 listening? Yeah, just have like a, a flexible or some options on your exit plan because like I think like buying buying a house, living in it, turning to a rental when you leave is probably one of the most easiest ways that you can get into investment property. But you know, but just make sure you're not just buying it for you or looking at it through like what you want. You know, who's gonna be who's gonna be living there, who's gonna be the prospective tenants. If it's gonna be a family, make sure it's like a three two, make sure the school district, if it's just like, you know, some single young professionals coming to the area for one ones, okay, what what's gonna be attracting to the area? So Make sure you look at the at the places through your prospective tenants' you know eyes or frame of reference, so you have a better idea of you know what to look for in, in your in your target property. Thank you, Ken, so much for your time and coming out to hang out with me and talk about your first deal. So, if the four hundred two is interested in you and they want to learn more about you, where can they find you? On LinkedIn, uh, Kenneth Kenneth Hines, uh, just come connect with me and uh, we'll share our real estate adventures going forward. Great advice. Thanks again, Ken, so much for your time and coming out. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening or watching The First Deal Show. I'm excited for you to buy your first investment property. If this show has helped you in any way, I ask that you share it with someone. 